0: So, it was officially agreed upon today, and we're going to have two great guests tonight. Uh, it's two separate pods, of course, but the first one is Rachel Balkovic, who we had on the show before. She's been in Australia, working around the team that Manny Ramirez has been on. You know, a guy who should be in the Hall of Fame, but, you know, has that suspension, and let's just face it, you know, people just won't vote him in. And then after that, we're going to have one of the twins from Twin Talks Yanks, Nick Alvarez. And we're going to talk a lot of baseball. We're going to talk a little NFL. And that's where we're going to start off here. 17 games. No one can ever go 16-0 and again in a regular season. That belongs to the New England Patriots. You know, the Jets will never be able to go 2-14 and again. Again, now it would have to be 2-15. and 15, And a lot of people are hyping up the Chiefs and Packers. Chiefs and Packers. Chiefs and Packers. I'm not, I'm, I'm not that impressed about the Chiefs and Packers. What we're going to see is Evan Rodgers having a three-touchdown game. We're, we're going to see Mahomes having a four-touchdown game. The Chiefs are either going to win by three... Or if things go wrong by the Packers, the Chiefs are going to win by 20+. plus. Also, that's the game, the loss to the Goats. Brady beat the pants off of Mahomes, and Brady beat the pants off of Aaron Rodgers. So, those two guys are the guys who just cry when they see Tom Brady. They, they pee-pee their little, little pants. And then, because of the 17th game, the Patriots have to face stupid Jerry's World and their stupid faces. And, At least you home. At least you home. And weak Dak Prescott, like, no one is scared of Dak Prescott. The last time the Patriots faced the Cowboys, the Patriots won, sorry. Um. And it's just, yeah. No one's scared of Dakota Prescott. And especially with all his money now, maybe he'll be less meaning to really try to win. I don't know. Um and but the seventh game I like it. You know, the players they genuinely probably hate it because that's now one more game and football in sixteen games is a dangerous game as it is. So now if you're if you're if you're going to the Super Bowl, you're now playing twenty games. So, it is what it is, man. Um, I will say this. Number one,
1: uh, as far as um that means for I'm a Giants fan, so that was for me, I'd be playing the Dolphins. That would be interesting. As far as the Chiefs and Packers, I'm excited for that. This isn't about Tom Brady, okay? Stop making everything about Tom. To focus on the matchup here and there. I think that's going to be a fantastic matchup. This has nothing to do with Tom
0: Brady. It Who were the last two quarterbacks it. Tom Brady faced?
1: I don't care. It has to do with the matchup here. No one cares about Tom Brady right now. We're talking about Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers. So, that's going to be a fantastic matchup. And then, for all the loser Jet fans that have to play against the Eagles, and the Jets are all-time... 0-11 against the Eagles. That's wild. 0-11 against the Eagles. But for your Patriots playing the Cowboys, I never thought I would have to root for the Patriots. But damn it, I have to root for the Patriots. And it bothers me, but I hate the Cowboys so much that I'm going to have to root for the Patriots. It, it, it bothers me. It's sickening. Sickening. The Giants on the Dolphins Giants, will be interesting, Daniel Jones versus Tom um, Tua telling up by Loa. I mean, the Dolphins look legit. They, are, they look like world beaters.
0: It'll be very interesting. Tua's going to light up the Giants like an ice cream factory, and the Jets are going to do the same to the Eagles. The Eagles have no shot.
1: Well, I'm also looking for. I'm also looking forward to. Um, I'm also looking forward to the fact that so there's going to be no more. There's going to be four preseason games in three, and now the Super Bowl is going to be probably around
0: closer to President's Day week, and the season is going to start a little bit later. February thirteenth, totally kid. kid. Don McGregor and my mother's birthday. Super Bowl Sunday. Let's go. Awesome.
1: That is fantastic. Fantastic.
0: And Don might host a Super Bowl party. And, my, and it's crazy. Had this well, at so one point of the show, like uh-huh. like closer to ENN, I'm not sure if it was in, you know, joking form. But he did say, you know what? I'm canceling my Super Bowl party. I'm going to Michael's. This way we can all be together. So let me ask you this. With, that Don and Peter invited, Who would you go to? I mean, Don's would probably be a little more funnier and kick back and relaxing, but you know Michael's probably going to have the bigger TV. Um, he's going to put out the spread with the food. Alcohol is probably going to be really, really good. Maybe you get a couple of swag bags and you get to be in the home of the Yankee play-by-play guy I mean you know as as great as Don is and again Don would be a very very good time you know what I'm saying like 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 if if Don was hosting uh NBA Finals party I go to Don's not only would I have the pool you know drinking by the pool chilling potentially watching the game by the pool I think that would be dope but we're talking Super Bowl and all the bigwigs that would be in that house. Who knows? May, may, maybe someone really famous. You gotta go to Kasey. I probably go with the
1: Too bigger TV, probably got got the bigger guest. I mean, Don would be a blast. Don's more of the party guy. He he makes the party pocket But Kay, man. Take out, take out the swag book so how could you not go with the swag book so I gotta say that um, opening day is obviously um, two days away and there's gonna be rain in the forecast but it should be clear that's good so yeah so obviously I'm. it should be I see Gary
0: Cole, but no George Springer, no George Springer. It lessens the competition, man. All right, it's not great because we got to see the man that's better than the six foot seven little bitch. Oh my God,
1: you and the six foot.
0: <laughs> Is he not? But now we're about to have on Rachel Balkovec. And talk some glorious baseball. So we are very, very close to a finally a full season of Major League Baseball, and we're here with the amazing Rachel Balkovic, one of the amazing fem- female coaches that's with baseball teams. And you were we're gonna start with Australia. And you got to work with that team and be around Manny Ramirez, who was a fantastic left field in Major League Baseball, big home run guy, Indians, Red Sox, Dodgers, you know. um, How was that experience like? And what was it like when that video went viral of the fan who just apparently just wore the Boston hat just because it was popular?
2: Um, well, yeah, Manny, that video, I mean, if you want to talk about Manny being Manny, that's literally it right there. Uh, but I just love that we were able to, and I say we, like me and him, I mean, he's so funny and just so um, jovial, I would say, and, and lighthearted. Uh, I'm just glad that people that may have not known him as a player or maybe knew him as a player, but then like, you know, you kind of add his time before social media. So you couldn't really connect with him as a person. And the little bit that you saw, I think, of him as a player, it couldn't be more true. It couldn't be more real. that just The Manny being Manny, his his fun personality, it's just 100% right. And so I was really glad. I obviously did not – no one knows – no one intends for things to go viral, so I had no idea it was going to be like that. Um, But, yeah, I'm just really actually glad that it happened like that because people got to see a little bit of his personality. So yeah, Manny was wonderful. He was not only a wonderful human to be around, but just like great for the players, great for the guys. Was really uh, just you know he he showed up early, he stayed late, he was talking with them, interacting with them as if as if he never played in the big leagues, you know. And so that was really fun. Unfortunately, even in Sydney, we had a little mishap with COVID. So he had he ended up going home early because at some point he was like, you know, my son's playing baseball, so. He was like, he didn't want to sit around if we were not going to be playing, so he went home. So I think that the world kind of missed out on seeing Manny play, and he was just a phenomenal hitter. Wow, put on a show and practices, so that was very cool. Um, So just all around, incredible experience, and then I think that there's a saying, like, don't meet your heroes, but if you have a chance, meet Manny, because he's just an incredible human. Hey, Rachel, this is
1: James, the other half of the sports dudes. So, Man. what was your experience like in, in a Australia, a different country? Obviously, COVID protocol still in effect. So, what was your experience like in, as, you know, personally going to a different country?
2: Um, you know, I've traveled quite a bit worldwide, and Australia was really uh, easy. So, if anyone out there is thinking about going, Australia is beautiful, it's really easy to adapt to, it's obviously a first world country, but it's incredible, uh, beautiful city, when I say beautiful, I mean clean, safe, it's one of the safest cities in the world, so I lived right in downtown Sydney, and I was right by the harbor, so I got to see, the Sydney Opera House was a five minute walk from my place, and I really got to dive into the city itself, and I just highly recommend it to visit, also just right outside, we're talking about 30, 45 minutes away from the city, you've got, like incredible national parks that are just breathtaking things I've never seen before in my life. So the experience of going to Australia was incredible. Really cool to be, I think even people were even more excited about me, like being a female in sports there than here. Like there's a, there's a uh, culturally a big push for women being in sports in Australia and it's a smaller country. So news travels fast and it was pretty exciting. I think for them to have a female coaching a sport, and I don't know, it was just all around, honestly, was just an incredible experience. And especially during COVID, when we were canceled and we didn't have an opportunity to play, for me to be able to go and get coaching experience in a year where this was supposed to be my first year crossing over from strength and conditioning to hitting. And I missed out, <laughs> yeah, I missed out on my opportunities to coach and really get experience. So all around, just can't say enough about it. I'm super glad I did it. And I would definitely go back.
0: That's an in, incredibly awesome mom, um, with with the Red Sox hiring Bianca Smith and the Giants having oh I forgot her name again oh uh, there you go there you go I don't know why that's the only women I ever ever forgot um the A's that the A's have one. And, and of course, the Marlins have Kim Meng as their GM. Um, mm-hmm. a couple of months ago, you posted, I think, a poll on Instagram of where it's just not about hiring women; it's about hiring women who can actually do the job and succeed really well. So, what do you think what What do you think's next?
2: Well, um, I think the next step, and maybe the first step, should be um, thinking about how we can do it from the grassroots level, and making sure that we're not just saying, "Well, we need to hire more women," and then you just go and find them. You know, Major League Baseball. Hey, do you want to be Major League Baseball? Um, that's not obviously the best way to do it, but that's kind of like it's—it's it's almost how it seems sometimes. And it's, by the way, this is not just baseball on women; but the whole industry and diversity of any kind and it's just like oh well we need diversity oh hey let's just go find the first person that applies or the first person that we can find and we'll just hire them and that'll solve the problem but that's just a really short-term fix and we're seeing that because like the the growth is very slow i mean it's look i i say all the time change is happening fast but also you gotta think it's not, like, my first year in baseball was 2012. The next female strength coach hired after me was 2016 or 17, oh so four God. or five years later. It took four or five years later for another woman to be hired as a full-time strength coach. And now I think just the world has changed where, so Rachel Folden and I, Rachel Folden is a, um, the lead lab tech and hitting coach for the Cubs, so she's... She's a coach, and myself, we were hired almost at the exact same time, which is very cool. The fact that even two organizations unknowingly hired a female at the same time—that's cool. And then shortly after that, Alyssa was hired uh, again. Bianca Smith this year. So things, in my opinion, are rolling, and we're going to see even more and more in the next in the coming years. But I think the the question your your question was, what's next? The question is, is, is this sustainable change? Are we doing it the right way? And no one knows how to do change well, you know, we all because it's change, it's new. But I just want to always reframe and say, oh, we don't need to hire more women. Okay, that's not how we say it. We need to hire more women. Well, that's kind of the end result. We need more women who are interested in these jobs and who are qualified. So that that is a whole other task, and it takes much longer to do it that way, uh, which is, always, you know, the the real answer is never the easiest answer. So, I think the real answer is we have to grassroots, we have to get women at the college level in my opinion, the easiest way to do this is softball players in college. Hey, do you want to coach? Think about major league baseball because before, the I said why well, I, I want to coach in softball, I want to coach in softball. But any hitting, any hitter in softball is going to have so much Similarity to baseball that they have plenty of qualifications to at least then get an internship or an apprenticeship or an observation Just like a man would if they were a college baseball player And so I think the next step might be to source those college softball players. Who's gonna do it? That's a good question. I I have these ideas rolling around in my head, but I've taken no action so in my opinion with the responsibility that I hold I've got to do some of these things too and I have to really push along myself so I think the next step is really going grassroots and trying to find women who could be interested in these jobs and just plant the seed and go, hey, don't forget, this is a possibility for you and you should apply to some of these things. So creating the pathway, definitely like having organizations be open to hiring women, but also getting the women to apply because not too many women even apply for these jobs. That's not an opinion. That's me sitting in the coordinator role for two major organizations and not receiving women's resumes. That's
1: crazy. So, that is wild. So, my question is, um, with, with what you're doing, um, what uh, with the strength and conditioning, obviously with the Yankees. um what do you love about your job? And like, tell us, so tell our listeners, what do you love about the job that you're doing um, with the strength and conditioning with the Yankees? What do you love about that job?
2: I mean, to me, it's just all coaching, you know. And I just the thing that I love about my job is coaching young athletes, and that's. It's whether it's strength and conditioning or it's hitting. It doesn't matter. It's like I think that the world sees my job as a hitting coach as wildly different than my job as a strength and conditioning coach. But to be honest with you, they're so similar. It's just—it's honestly just developing a relationship with a player and getting them to move from point A to point B. And sometimes that's easy. Sometimes they want to do it. Sometimes you have to really find how you're gonna reach that each particular athlete and how you're gonna, you know, really dive into the individual things that they need to improve on and that is that's coaching that's not strength and conditioning that's not hitting it's just coaching so i just really love the development and seeing players especially when it's a tough change where they may not want to do something it might not be comfortable and they try it and they work through it and they go through the struggles and they finally make it that's what i really love and that's what i'm passionate about and that hasn't changed you know strength and conditioning Again, in my opinion, it's just not that different. <laughs> I know it seems different externally, but it's simply just—it's just coaching. It's
0: just development of a human being. And then before we start on more fun baseball stuff, you know, over over the past couple of months before spring training, you know, and the, the Angels still haven't officially fired Mickey Cal- Calloway yet, um, but Jared Porter. And then another guy from the Mets back in 18, the Cubs also been involved with these men, the Diamondbacks, and just with all the harassment on female reporters and using their authority, you know, what do you think of that situation and how do you think that hotline, that Major League Baseball creative, is going to help in situations like this?
2: Okay, so I do think that's very helpful because... It has to be anonymous. The biggest fear, and by the way, it still happens to me today. You know, and I don't even wear the thing with reporters, and I and I'm a woman, and I've talked to female reporters about this, so I'm not trying to be disrespectful by any means. But reporters are wearing clothes that are beautiful and feminine, and they show you know they show the outlines of their bodies, and and that's like, look, I'm a woman in sports, so I'm just saying that objectively. You know, I wear a baseball uniform to work, so there's not too many. You know, it's, it's not like they're going to comment. on want to. Hey, Rachel, a nice pinstripe uniform. Oh, it's the same one I'm wearing. That <laughs> that's just doesn't. It just doesn't happen. But when, when you're a reporter, and that's what that's what reporters wear. Male reporters also dress very nicely in the male way. So it's like that's what reporters wear, and I think that that coupled with. And I don't, you never want to blame it on the woman, and it's true, you don't, but it's just like, I've talked with females reporters about this, my job is very different than theirs, and, it, and it's very different in a few ways, but one of the ways is, well, I don't even dress in a way that somebody would be like, oh, hey, you look really nice today. It's like, well, I'm wearing the baseball uniform that you're wearing, you know? So, the, I think that on top of that, baseball is an old boys club, and there are some people that are still around, although this is very much changing to where coaching is a true profession and we're starting to hire professional coaches, not just ex players that played and then become coaches. It's like coaching is a real profession that people study and spend years honing that craft. So it's getting a little less of the old boys club and a little bit more of professional coaching. Um, and professional coaches that are being hired in baseball. However, there are still a lot of people left where it's just like, that was acceptable. It was acceptable 10 years ago. It was acceptable for sure 20 years ago, where women were kind of just something that, you know, you just, that's how you talk to them. So I think that that's happening. I also just like to say, you know, not those situations. Those are obviously very extreme, but look, I'm different i step into a room and i am i literally am the change so when people see have you know, any change in your life literally any change i mean my iphone updated last night and i got upset okay literally any change in your life it's going to cause a little bit of a disruption and i always not always but definitely in recent years in my career i just try to have a little bit of empathy and go okay i'm new i'm different This is weird. I look in the mirror and see myself wearing a pinstripe uniform, and it's still a little weird for me. So I can't imagine somebody externally looking at that, and and just we just expect everyone to adjust to change in five seconds, and that's just not realistic in any realm of any situation ever. It's like change is change, and people need time to adjust to it. I don't think that's really specific to the exact situation you asked about, but I just try to have a little bit of empathy with these situations that pop up not the ones that you mentioned because those are pretty extreme but yes plenty of times it's happened with me as well and it's just you just gotta go okay yep I'll see you tomorrow and we'll try this thing again and I'll teach you how to respect a woman how to speak to me but yeah it's a little it's a touchy subject obviously
0: that's that's awful it, it sucks that you've had to deal with that and so many other women that have done done with that or will continue to do with that and, you know, it's, it's easier to just fire an executive over a player. But, f- for example, guys like Chapman, Herman, they've been in the situations, players of other professional sports. So when do you think we'll get to a point where all four professional sports or college sports and just anything in general is just going to get to a zero-tolerance to- to- policy where we don't care if you're Mike Trout. LeBron James, or we don't care if you're Michael Smith, or or Leonard Nimrak who's a fourth QB, or fourth outfielder in the minors, to where if you do something bad where it crosses the line, whether it's harass a woman, or stuff like this, or kill someone, you're just gone. Your contract's voided, and you're not going to get paid, and you'll never be allowed to be a major league baseball player ever again. Because it seems like um, it seems like they they care about who your name is and how you can win for them instead of doing the right thing.
2: Well, it's top down. It's just like anything else. It's top down within the organization. It's top down. I mean, you got to think like so. Assume that assume that Jared Porter had been hired and nothing came out about him, and everything was fine, and it all worked out right. We would have never known. And then that guy would be running an organization. And so when something comes up and a player harasses a woman, he's not going to care. You know? It's like the the type of person that's running the organization is going to dictate the culture. And so if he... I mean, gosh, thank God that woman came forward. Thank God that story broke. Because if not, he'd be in charge of, of an organization. And, and I'm going to phrase it differently. He would be in charge of basically counseling, developing managing 200 to 250 young men young male athletes you know let's put the coaches aside so that guy would be the leader for 250 young male athletes with a lot of money that's a scary thought so the top the top of the organization always dictates the culture so do you think he would have uh voided a contract for somebody harassing a woman doubt it you know, but then you think about on a grander scale, to your point, you asked, well, when does that, when does it get to a point where we just void these people's contracts? And, and on top of that, they're no longer able to play baseball forever. And that comes from, you know, MLB, the commissioner. And so it's really going to take a strict punishment, unfortunately, as we've seen over the years, where, oh, hey, don't do that again. That don't work.
0: Right.
2: You know, or it's a very, it's a very, uh, a slap on the wrist just doesn't work. So, I don't know. I mean, it's top-down. So, um, before I get
1: to uh, baseball, um, what would be the solution for um, For that?
2: Um, for, to, to remedy this? I mean, I've thought about this a bunch because my end goal is to be a general manager. And I'd really like to, you know, think that if a situation popped up like this for me, it would be would say zero tolerance but here's the thing is I look at again these these I'll call them kids I don't mean to be disrespectful to anyone definitely not talking about 35 year old veterans with children right but we're talking about 22 23 year old young men who have a ton of money and who are not fully developed and some of them are coming from foreign countries look let's have a little bit of empathy again so I would say it's a zero it's a zero tolerance policy but I'll also make it very clear both to the public and to the players if you get in a situation like this and if you put yourself in a situation like this you will be released but that doesn't mean that we hate you. It means we want we, you can't be a part of this team anymore you because you violated some of our rules and, it, and on top of that we are going to pay for, well not only eat your contract but we're going to pay for counseling for you and rehabilitation because we care about you but you just can't be a part of this team. And that's how I would approach it. I'd like to think. I'd like to believe in myself that it would be no matter who it is. Is it Mike Trout? Is it the last person on the run? Um, but also, it's not just the general manager. It's also the owner because that's the owner's money. So you even have to have an owner that believes in this so deeply. So it's really – it's all top-down. And you're, we see these things happen. You go, how in the world are we letting these players back, not only on the team but in the game? And look, most of the owners of professional sports teams – are like older white men. Yeah, they're not women. You know, they're not they're not minorities. A lot of times, you know, sometimes, but not a lot of times. They don't care about these social issues, and it really does take people at the top caring about the issues at hand to make the change. So I totally agree with everything you said. And switching gears to baseball, obviously,
1: um, you know, training camps are over. Baseball team is about to start. Yankees have a lot of like minor leaguers that are like in the top 100. And the, the one that I'm curious about is Jason Dominguez. And mm-hmm. does he, is, is the height that is surrounding Jason Dominguez, you we hear from scouts, we hear from, every, we hear from everything that he going to be the next breakout star. From what you've seen, is all of those, or all those
2: accusations justified oh i mean well here's the thing from a physical standpoint i think everyone in their right mind can see that he is an absolute specimen um and i think that from a physical standpoint he's way ahead of his peers from in his age group and he can hit the ball very hard <laughs> like those are all just things that we Oh, no. I think the question left is just, is he going to be able to face higher-level pitchers? Because even if he has all that power, it does no good if he can't hit the ball. So is he able to, when he gets up to the higher levels, is he able to adjust to really great breaking balls, Um, you know, fastballs that are coming a little bit harder than paired with an excellent breaking ball? That's a whole different skill set. So you can hit the ball a long way, but the guys that you see at the top, for example, I just want to touch on, like, maybe Luke Boyd. Luke has incredible power but what he also does extremely well is he hits balls in the strike zone and he lets balls out of the strike zone go and that my friends is that, like that is a separator so he can be incredibly strong and also we see this all the time you see guys that are really really strong but they can't hit the ball or they do but they don't make good contact so I think that's what everyone's going to be waiting for to see. And, you know, he has a ton of potential, and that's really all we know right now. Um, and we're, of course, in the organization hoping that that you know, plays out at the higher levels once he's facing some better pitching.
0: So, Manny Ramirez broke into the majors in 1993, 21 years old. So now, let's say all of that is still the same, except he makes his major league debut in 2013 and with him facing the pitchers that's been around since 2013, do you think he'd have uh, the same long career and success playing now than he did 20 years ago?
2: Yes, I do, and I'll tell you why. So this is um, my research, and my re- most recent master's degree was in eye-tracking, and I'm a, I am look at people's... When I'm watching batting practice, I'm probably watching their plate discipline more than I'm watching their swing. And this is coming from a strength and conditioning coach. I mean, I studied the body for 10 years and I coach people in the mechanics of their body for 10 years. And I understand the importance of swing mechanics, but also you can have a phenomenal swing and it doesn't matter if you swing at a ball in the dirt. So if you watch Manny Ramirez, even just this winter in Sydney, he will let balls go that are on the corner. And you're like, how did you see that? Like, he just has an incredible eye. And I think we, we had lengthy discussions of this. And he was like, Rachel, I don't know how, but I just know when it's a ball and a strike. And to me, he can't, you know, he's a player. He can't necessarily put that into words from a coach's standpoint. But for me, it's basically his ability to predict where the ball is going to be at an early time. So he could basically out of the hand within, it really is 10 milliseconds out of the hand he knows whether it's going to be a ball or a strike. And that's from some of it, that is natural ability. Some of that is hundreds of thousands of repetitions of, of plate awareness. So I, I do think, I really do think he could he could do it. We, we, we almost saw, we almost got to see, although Australian baseball is not, of course, the caliber of the United States, but we almost got to see him hit again, which would be really fun. And um, he's already talking about going back next year. So I hope that happens.
1: With um, with Australian Baseball, we've seen the KBO, um, we've seen the, the Pond League. Um, are there potential that baseball, because we've already seen um, from the Caribbean Leagues and players in the Caribbean Leagues in baseball, but is there a chance we can see people from all different leagues across the world migrate into um Middle League Baseball just like, I, if, if I'm not mistaken, I think Acuna came from the Australian League, so... Could we, could we see more Major Leaguers make their debuts from all different leagues across the world in Major League Baseball?
2: Yeah, I think, I mean, there was actually a player this year, uh, Morimando, he's a pitcher. Um, and I saw him throwing in, in the Australian Baseball League, and I was like, dang, he is, I mean, he phenomenal. Like, he threw five pitches for strikes, and was just throwing our guys off, and I saw him twice, and I, I was like, look, I'm not a pitching coach, but, you know, the results speak volumes, and he just cut up our players, um, and he had great command, and I just, and he also had played affiliate ball previously, and the Marlins actually, I, I, I told our Yankees pitching coach, so I was like, hey, you might want to check this guy out, and what do you know, a week later, he got picked up by the Marlins, so I think it's possible, the thing is, is that what what makes it hard? Not it's not difficult in the Dominican, obviously Venezuela, no, uh, Japan, obviously not Korea, but in Australia, baseball in general is a very small sport. Um, their bigger sports are rugby, rugby league, um, cricket. You know, so there's just less people playing, which means the pool of talent is smaller, which means you just get less guys who are major league caliber, and that's what makes it tough. So. I do think it's possible, but the, the game has to grow so much more for us to have a viable, like, you know, let, let's say an academy there, uh, an affiliate there, plus it's so far. So the Dominican works out well. It's like a, you know, two-hour flight or something from Miami, but Australia is a 15-hour flight, and so to say, like, scouting and all the operations of getting over there are difficult, so that's also a bit of a barrier. Um, I think it's there's less of a barrier in the past five to ten years. I mean, think about it, You've got FaceTime. We have, like, video tra- I mean... It would be easy to have an operation there from just the literal communication standpoint, but the distance makes it a bit tough. So there's definitely some barriers. I do think it's possible, but you have to have the talent pool, first of all, um, and also have it be a viable option for a team from a, from a financial standpoint to get over there.
0: Let's say you're a GM and you take over a team like the Oakland A's, you know, a team with a low payroll, and you have a three-year contract and you have up within until those three years to get a playoff appearance. How would you look to build that team to be successful?
2: Okay, well, you have to make money, you have to win quickly. And I just, like, I was so fortunate. Say what you will about the Astros, I understand all of the- the deep, interesting layers there, but Jeff Luno did it. You know, he did it, and all even cheating aside, I mean, even last year, like, they're a good team. I don't think anyone will really dispute that. Um, and I, I learned a lot from being in that organization. I learned a lot from a lot of the mentors that I had in the front office, and they just said, you know, they had to win early, and that's really hard to do without buying some players. And so I think Maybe not in the first year, but in the second, and third year, spending some at the major league level. But the answer is, in my opinion, the answer is shortening up the minor league system and investing money there. And so, what we just saw happen with the minor league teams in major league baseball this last year is we shortened up the minor league system. I mean, some teams still had ten teams. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the Yankees we had ten teams. We had to cut out a team team in the GCL. We also cut out rookie the uh, short season A teams. And I think that's for the betterment of baseball, if you ask me. Um, I would even shorten it up as much as possible. So the minimum amount of teams right now is six. You have the four full season at clubs and also the rookie team in the AZL or the GCL. So that's just at the complex team. And then you also have the Dominican team, and some teams have two. So you, you get anywhere from six to eight teams right now. I'm for sure going only six teams, and that's strictly from my budgeting standpoint. So you would have six teams, and I would pour money into the development. And that means I would probably pay the players an f- actual salary because minor league players don't get paid a salary. I would cut the, the, the volume of players to as little as possible, and I would pay them a salary, and we would train year-round at the complex. So right now we lose so much training time in the offseason because the players go home because, because teams don't pay them in the offseason. So, I mean, honestly, the question you just asked, I have like a twenty to thirty page document in my computer, so I can't answer it in, in five seconds. But I think the short answer is you gotta create some level of success. You don't have to win a World Series, but there you have to show. I think the Astros in the first year or second year that Jeff Leno took they got I think they increased by twenty wins. Um because I watched that entire thing happen. When he took over the team, he hired Brent Strong. He brought people over from the cardinals he brought over the analytics system that he had developed with the, in the cardinals organization uh with sig he brought that all over i watched the whole thing happen and i remember hearing on the television one of his first years they, they increased by 20 wins and i thought oh it's coming like the train is moving so you've got to win quickly you don't have to win a world series but you have to prove that you can put a winning team on the field or or take the same team that you had and change them around and uh, reorganize the lineup, sh- start shifting. I don't know what it is. Like You basically have to use analytics to create more wins out of the team that you already have at the major league level. And then I think the answer that we're still not doing really well, I think change, change is happening in a positive manner at the minor league level, but we're still not doing super well is really maximizing development of the minor league players.
1: Um, with, with how baseball is with launch angles, Um, shifting and analytics um, how can how can baseball grow because you've seen complaints about baseball becoming too analytical you've seen like people getting turned off by the National League not having a designated hitter you're seeing the minor leagues not getting enough equity pay like how can baseball fix these major problems that they're having right now Oh God! Um, I, I, can I
2: can I plead the can I say I don't know? <laughs> okay, I don't know. Yes. those are those are huge. Those are just huge. You know what? You know what? Baseball is a beautiful. The tradition of baseball is incredibly beautiful. It's it's unlike anything else. But I will tell you, the viewership's going down. Uh, fans in the stands are going down. Um, people are saying the game's boring. I mean, we're living in the age of TikTok. You know, people, People 30 seconds, I played a video for my sister, I started TikTok, I can't even believe I'm saying that. (laughs) Started TikTok, I'm trying to reach the youth, I'm trying to be there available for young girls, and young girls are on TikTok, so I'm there. And I played a video for my sister the other night, I said, what do you think? And she said, it's too long, and I was like, it's it's 29 seconds, it's literally less than 30 seconds. She's like, I don't know, it's too long. And I thought, oh my god, and she's even 30. So we're living in the age of TikTok, baseball is gonna have to adjust. And whatever makes the game more exciting, I'll, I'll answer like this. Whatever makes the game more exciting, more palatable, quicker, um, smarter, better. I, I, I'm all for these changes. and I don't know what the I don't know what the answer is, but I'm for these changes. I'm for analytics. I'm for providing analytics to the fans. I'm for um, I'm for gosh, I think it should be. Even more so, not not necessarily um, not necessarily in the organization, although definitely some, there are some organizations that still need to catch up. But forward facing to the fans and what's actually going on and describing. They say it's boring. Well, you, have, everyone on this podcast doesn't think it's boring, right? Anyone listening to this podcast doesn't think it's boring. But we need to reach people who aren't already fans. We need to reach the young people. We need to reach people who are football fans. And we want people to come to the games even if they aren't fans because there's something exciting to go and see. So I am for anything that does that. That's how I'll answer the question.
0: Um, Next year also, you know, could – if they don't agree into a CBA, we could see a strike. And if I was looking to put something into the CBA – I'd want instead of six years of control time, then free agency. I'd want five. So how yeah. how how do you feel about something like that if if that was to happen?
2: Yeah. Um. <laughs> again, it's like these are oh these are great questions and tough questions, but I would say yeah, I agree with that too. I think that favors. Yeah, obviously, it favors the player, and I think that it again, it just allows more movement. It allows the player to have more autonomy, and I think that's really scary for organizations. But I'm all for it. I think that if and when I get an opportunity to be a general manager, I'm going to encourage guys to have autonomy with their careers. I'm going to encourage them. Hey, you don't like it here? Great move. I don't like. I'm going to let people out of their contracts. I'm going to. I'm going to create an environment where the players have the autonomy, and I think. I think the opposite thing is going to happen. Most most people in leadership will be afraid of that. But I would view the players like my employees. And if it's not the right fit, it's not the right fit. And so, yeah, give them, yeah, don't let a guy hang around you know, too long when he doesn't want to be there. Because if he doesn't want to be there, it's a good chance the organization doesn't want to be there. You know, there's probably just not a good fit there. So, yeah, I'd be all for that. And even shorter, I think, would be a possibility. So this
1: is going to be a question for, because I'm a fan of his work, he's in the Yankee organization, I'm a number one fan of his, Nick knows who I'm going to say, I'm going uh-huh. anyway. The man, the myth, the future Young winner, Clark Schmidt. Obviously right now Clark Schmidt is injured right now, um, he's on the DL. but what do you see the potential in Clark Schmidt from
2: what you've seen? You know what I actually am going to say? I don't know because I'm pretty new to the organization. And so I think that it's not fair for me to say one way or the other. Obviously, there's a lot of excitement around it. You're not the only one, you know. You're not the only one um, that's excited about him. But I haven't, you know, I can't, I don't know if I can really answer that. I haven't been in an organization long enough. That's fair. That's fair. I'm just a big Clark Schmidt fan because
1: I I see future Cy Young winner. I see... Uh, it's a potential eighteen ten way game winner. Nick thinks I'm nuts. I love him. <laughs> just like I think Debbie Garcia. He's good. I, I like Debbie stuff, but I, I I i me personally
0: I'm a Fark fan, so that shit I mean I mean baseball's hard man. How many how many top prospects come in and fail? How many okay prospects Coming and do really, really, really good baseball. Baseball is a harder sport to play, and maybe that's part of it is because of why more youth isn't in the baseball. You know, look at yep. look at football, look at basketball, look at hockey. If you're really good, you are on the roster. You get drafted. You get the bonus. You are playing. A guy like Trevor Lawrence yep. would never want to play baseball because he's now a, he's going to be a millionaire. He's going to be a starting quarterback in the National Football League. Russell Wilson. Um, I'll co- look at Kyler Murray. Perfect example. The A's, the A's gave him a bonus, but what would have happened? He would have had to be on buses and be, and be in the minors. Now, he's a millionaire. Private planes. playing out, Playing in the NFL. So, of course, why wouldn't you... What is a kid going to want more? And, and also, if your kid comes from an impoverished background, that's a quicker step to now getting your family out of that and getting them into better li- li- living conditions. L- look at what we saw a couple weeks ago from from the Cubs prospect. Not making a lot of money, so he has to risk his baseball career p- potentially by, by being a mule. You know, so, not, not only is baseball really hard to do, it's just tough, and I don't know how that part changes.
2: Well, that's why that's why I mentioned, I think that, I hope, I hope I'm not the first one to do this, if and when I get an opportunity to be a general manager, but we need to pay the players, and it's, it's actually a little bit shocking that we don't, you know, and, and the fact that a minor league player can make $10,000 in a season, and I understand, that. the thing is, people don't see, there's some housing provided, there's some food provided, so they get away with doing that and paying a low salary, but the fact that a guy can make $10,000, these college educated kids that come and make 10 grand, and sometimes, look, that's one or two years, and by the way, I did a lot of internships to get here <laughs> that weren't paid very well, eight of them. Oh, wow. Um, so I'm not saying, I'm not saying that they, you know, I'm not saying that they deserve to be paid a hundred thousand dollars every year as a minor league player. Like, look, pay your dues. And yes, like do your internship essentially. So I, I don't think that we have to pay them a lot, but yes, definitely paying them enough at least to live on and to go, okay, this is a work, this is worth doing this. Um, and again, to train year round at the complex and have a year round facility to train at, um, yeah, I think that there that's a start. That's a start. I'm not sure if we'll ever get to the point where players are dropped out of high school and go straight to the big leagues. But I, I don't think it's out of the question.
0: Um, Steve Cohen offered Frank Francisco Lindor ten for three twenty five. Whole lot of money to the three of us. And hey yep. he wants twelve for three eighty five. So it's it's not really, you know, who's Wrong or right, but I I don't know if 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 it's me, if if I really don't want to go past three twenty five and I don't want to pay three eighty five, I'd maybe meet it meet in the middle. Say how about eleven $4, three forty five? He he gets an extra year. He he gets an extra you know you know twenty twenty million dollars. If if you if you were the player, and that was your offer, would you, would you take that, or would you just trust yourself and be, become a free agent next year?
2: Um, oh, uh, I, I think I would, um, it depends on the situation. If the organization is a place where I think I fit, if I fit in the clubhouse, if I like the city... If I like my chances of playing and contributing, I take it. I think that's, I think that's something that – I think it does play in more than people think. Um, and to be a free agent is not it's – not, it's a scary place. It's a scary place. Uh, and, and sometimes things don't work out as well, so I think it's a risk that, that guys take sometimes. But also, if it's a place that you like and you like the clubhouse and you like the organization, I would say I'd, I'd take the deal.
1: My last question before I do rapid fire. Um, so, if um, if you're if you're a player and this could potentially be a um, lockout season because we don't know what the players and owners are going to do because we're all in limbo. So, any deals that come your way, would you would you know would you advise these players to take the money because we're uncertain if we're going to have a baseball season in twenty twenty two?
2: Again, yeah, I mean I think that. It's a scary place to be. I probably would advise that. Um, I- I'm hoping that things work out, you know, but also it's just un- it's so uncertain that, you know, why wouldn't you take the deal? I agree. Now, before we get
1: you out of here, I'm going to ask you some quick rapid fire questions, um, and then we'll get you out of here. You ready, Rachel? Yep. What's the best thing you
2: love about baseball? Um, the, I would say the camaraderie, uh, the camaraderie, the special relationships between, you know, the, the pitcher-catcher, uh, the catcher-shortstop, the shortstop-second baseman, the outfielders. I mean, the little nuances uh, that you really do have to be a part of the game to understand. Um, I love that about, about baseball. What, um, how would you,
1: what would you tell a player to try to understand analytics?
2: <laughs> um, I just show them, you know, so I think that, I think the best way to get them to understand is to immerse them in the data themselves, and I think some people have a different opinion on this. They say, well, the players can't handle seeing all the data, and I think showing them the numbers and getting them to understand how that directly affects their performance is is the most potent way to get them on board with it. So um in your time in
1: the yankee organization what um what do you love what do you love so much about being in the yankee organization
2: what's really intriguing about the organization incredible that they have been able to do this is there's still so much tradition in, in how they do things but they're so progressive and i'm not just talking about hiring a woman as a hitting coach i'm talking about analytics and technology and Not just, I'm obviously, I'm a very, very obvious, externally obvious uh, non-traditional hire, but also there's plenty of other non-traditional hires in the organization, lots of coaches coming from the college level. Um, Just, they're really moving forward, and they, when they could easily say, oh, look at us, we're the Yankees, and we've won so much, and we have this budget, and et cetera, and they're just not doing that. They're not resting on their laurels. They're really trying to get better and invest in the the player development system and trying to... uh, improve, you know, developing their own minor leaguers instead of maybe going out and getting a free agent signed, so uh, they're just, yeah, it's an incredible blend of tradition and also being progressive. Uh, two, two quick ones. Um, what would you advise
1: some of the um, younger women that want to get into baseball? What would you tell them?
2: Um, I would say don't seek out the easy path. If it's harder, then just have to know that being an underdog is an an advantage, you know, and being held down or held back is an advantage because you're going to be that much more prepared when you do get there. And I think that you couldn't have told me that when I was going through it, but I look back on my entry into baseball, it was very rocky. It was very uncertain. I did six internships before getting hired full-time. And I'm glad. I'm so glad I did all those things because I just, I'm still, reaping the benefits from getting a really solid solid foundation before I got into, you know, the, the big boys club, if you will. So I'm still reaping those benefits. And I don't I don't think that anyone should avoid that or even complain about it. I think if somebody tells you no or you, tells you you can't be, do this or that because you're a woman, say thank you and go about your Girl. very way.
1: <laughs> last question, um, What Yankee prospect we should look out for?
2: Oh, um, I, I mean, like the first name that pops into my head is Jason Dominguez. So we talked about him earlier, but I just want to say, if anyone's listening to this, for sure, keep a pulse on him. And I just think that he's one of the most
0: exciting players, not only in our organization but in the game right now. What about what about for pitcher?
2: I'm gonna go again. I don't. I I'm not. I don't think I'm equipped to answer that question. I'm, well, I'll stay away from the pitching side.
0: Smart and uh, do you think do you think Manny would have bought into the whole analytics or would he have just just wanted to do him and and play the game off of how he knows how to play the game?
2: Oh, for sure he would have been into it. He is a constant learner. I couldn't believe when we first talked, um, literally our first conversation. The owner from Sydney texted me and he said, hey, Manny wants to talk to you. And I thought, Manny who? And he was like, Manny Ramirez. I thought, <laughs> why does Manny want to talk to me? I'm like, what do you mean Manny wants to talk to me? I'm thinking this guy's going to come in and tell me how to do my job. And we got on the phone and he said, yeah, so Rachel, um, like, why are you – Why are you?" I said, well, why are you doing this? And he goes, oh, I'm, I'm a coach. And we just kind of laughed. And he said – all right, great. Well, uh, I really want to talk to you about my swing. And I was like, what in the world? I thought I thought he was, like, joking, or I thought he was just trying to be overly nice to me. And I was like, what do you mean you want to talk to me about your swing, Manny Ramirez? Like, okay. And it wasn't an act. He truly just wants to learn. And it was just incredible to talk to him. And he's asking me my opinion. He's asking other players. And he was – to his um, – you know, he's told me that that's how he always was during his career. He was like, I don't know, everywhere I went, I just wanted to know everyone's opinion. And it doesn't mean that I'm going to do everything that they say, but I want to know what other people think. So maybe if they say one thing that I can apply, or maybe I want to apply it then, but I'll apply it five years from now. Like, you know, he, he was like, man, I, I really believe that everyone has something of value and even the things that I taught him in Sydney we'd go to these kids camps and he'd be teaching these kids what I taught him and I'm just like okay it's real like he really is just a learner and he's not above you know thinking that he's wrong and it, yeah it was just, and that just again shows you why he was so good and I, I just couldn't yeah I couldn't be more of a
0: Manny fan you know than I am right now and last one when Manny was down there with you did you get to see his World Series ring?
2: No, I don't... I don't think he brought... I never saw him. I don't think he brought him. I could be wrong. I don't think he brought him with him.
0: Okay, tell the people where they can find you on social.
2: Oh, gosh. Uh, well, if you can spell my name, you can find me just about anywhere. But I, I'm usually on... If you can believe this, TikTok now and Instagram. And I'm a little bit on Twitter... Um, my website is a good place to contact me, Um But yeah, like I said, if you, if you can spell my name, you can find me just about anywhere.
0: Awesome, Rachel. Thank you so much for coming on.